so much for tuning in today. If you would, just one more quick reminder. Uh, help us by liking and sharing the live stream so that we can reach as many people as we possibly can with the message today. A lot of people are going to be at home watching stuff online, so I'm telling you, it's a great opportunity for us to connect with people that we might not be able to connect with otherwise. Crazy stuff going on right now, so we're doing service online only uh, today so that uh, everybody can be safe and at home because you never know what's going to happen with all this crazy winter storm stuff. It is the state of Georgia, so it could be 80 degrees before the end of the day. <laughs> you just never know what's going to be happening with it. Um, I feel like, though, that we're looking at the end times directly in the eyes right now. And I say that because, oh my gosh, guys, the University of Georgia won a national title this past week. I don't even know what to do with that. The media guys are going crazy in the back right now. Um, so, man, Jesus might be coming soon. I just, I feel like I need to wash my mouth out for just saying the University of Georgia won a national, <sighs> anyway, uh, some of you guys feel my pain too, but hey, if you're a Bulldogs fan, Congratulations, the drought is over. Thank the Braves for making that happen for, happen for you uh, this year. I want to give a big thanks, though, to the media team of our church and to the worship team of our church for putting in the extra hours to be able to do this live stream today. Uh, guys, we have got some amazing people working behind the scenes to make stuff like this happen. So if you would, hey, uh, give a, a thumbs up and a like just to show some appreciation to those guys working so hard. Uh, for what to, to make uh, the service happen today. It takes a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes stuff to get something like this going. I um, want to continue with this series that we're in right now. We're talking about this being a new year and a new us individually and as a church, what this whole series is all about. And last week, we talked about just taking a next step in different areas of our lives, not being overwhelmed by trying to do too much at one time, which a lot of people make that mistake, but just trying to figure out what that next step might be in our lives, in our walk with God or in our family, uh, professionally, uh, with, with our children. Um, looks different depending on what you're wanting to grow in or what God's leading you to grow in in your life. So the challenge last week was to sit back and figure out what that next step is. Today, I want to talk to you about something that's really going to help you in continuing to take that next step and for the life of that step, not just to be for one week. We're talking about growing consistently for the long haul this year and moving into who God is calling us to be individually and as a church. Because I believe that God has got big plans for us, and I believe that God's got big plans for you individually too. I believe that this year can be a tremendous year of growth and change for us. And I don't really believe in all the hype saying this year is going to be the best year ever because we don't know what storms we're going to face over the course of this year, and we don't know what life is going to throw at us. But what we can control is how we grow and how we change and how we allow God to mold and shape us through the course of the year. Can you imagine what we're going to look like this time next year if we just say, God, Everything I got is yours. God, my whole life is yours. Speak to me and tell me how you want me to grow. Show me where I need to change, Father, and I'll move in step with where you're leading me, God, because I want to be the best version of me for you 
that I can possibly be as I grow to become more like Jesus. Now, if we stay on that track, then we can just guarantee that this year is going to be a powerful year of growth. God does stuff in us before he does stuff through us. So if we're letting God change us, we're going to be in a better position for God to use us in our personal lives and as a church. Well, one thing I always hear people saying as a pastor is that how life is just so busy, life is just so crazy, and how very little control we feel like we have over our life. You're know, talking about next steps and growth and doing all these things is amazing, but you know, a lot of times it's difficult to put that into world, real world application and make it happen because we feel like we're pulled in so many different directions. I mean, have you ever felt like you don't have enough days in the week to get everything done? Man, I, I feel like that all the time. You know, to be honest with you, most of the people I talk to feel that way. So what I want to do today is, is really not so much preach at you, but I want to teach you some stuff from the Word of God to help set you up for success so that maybe we can reduce some of that being pulled in this direction and that direction and that feeling of being overwhelmed and not having enough time to do what you want to do or even being frustrated because you're spending time doing things that you're not passionate about and you feel like you're spinning your wheels waiting on someday to happen so that you can finally step into what you were put on this earth for. Well, we're going to talk about that and the Word of God is just full of practical things to help put us in the position to be effective in what we do with our lives. I, I like watching movies, and I love, I love anything just about that Marvel puts out with the exception of a couple of movies. I just love uh, the, the movies that they put out. And some of my favorite movies were Avengers uh, Infinity War and Avengers Endgame. I loved those movies because, man, it's the final battle between the Avengers and Thanos and and uh, it was just crazy watching those. I remember watching those movies the first time, just being blown away by uh, which characters had to sacrifice themselves and what had to play out. And at the end of Infinity War, I was like, are you kidding me right now? The Avengers just got beat up and down the street, you know. And, and then Endgame came out um, later on and, and uh, fixed a lot of that. And we finally got to see how all the story was going to end and how it all wrapped up and all this stuff. And when I watched those movies the second time, it was way different than when I watched it the first time because the second time I watched those movies, I knew how the story was going to end. And it changed things. Like, it didn't matter what happened to Captain America or to Black Widow or, or to any of these guys or, or to, to Iron Man, you know? It didn't matter because I knew how the story was going to end. And no matter what happened, the story was still going to end the same way. When we start talking about our lives and the direction of our lives and the things that we've been through and the things that we've yet to go through, um, it helps sometimes to hit pause and to go to the end of this thing and see how it's going to end and then reverse engineer that process because what we do today is either going to set us up for how this is all going to end or it's not. So when we begin to look at our lives and taking control of our lives and figuring out how to game plan things for consistent growth and, and all of that stuff, if we're not headed in the right direction with it and we get in a lot of trouble, so we want to make sure from the get-go that everything we say, everything we do is headed towards that end game. 
that's headed towards that final destination. And I want to just dive right into this. Revelation chapter 20 gives us a great look at how this is going to end up. And I know a lot of people will say, well, we're going to rule and reign with Jesus forever. And yes, that's true, but that's not all that's going to happen at the end of this thing. Uh, Revelation 20, starting at verse 11, it says, Then I saw a great white throne and him who was seated on it. The earth and the heavens fled from his presence. And there was no place for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. Now, hold up a second. Everything that we do is going to be recorded in these books. And we're going to stand in front of God at the end of all things, and we're going to be judged according to what we have done as it's recorded in those books. Now, that's kind of sobering when you stop and you think about it. And, and, I, know, and I know immediately, like, uh, that can sound a little bit scary, and I want to clarify some stuff, okay? I, now, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you've got a strong relationship with him, Jesus has forgiven you of your sins, okay? That's covered under the blood of Jesus. The Bible even says that when we ask God to forgive us, he forgives us of our sin. And he even casts that stuff as far as the east is from the west. He forgets it completely. So if you were to commit a sin and repent sincerely, say, God, I'm sorry, and then go back to him five minutes later and say, hey, I just want to apologize again for what I did. He'll literally look at you and say, what are you talking about? I've forgotten it. Okay, so when we're judged for the things that we have done, you got to understand that before Jesus, the blood of Jesus covers all of that if he's our Lord and Savior, and God's grace covers us as we grow closer to him. So God's grace and God's forgiveness does come into play, but we are held accountable for a couple of things, and I think a couple of them would be, one, um, how obedient were we to the word of God and how well did we accomplish God's will for our lives? And maybe something else would be, what did we do with Jesus while we were on this earth? Things that we'll be accountable for. Now, they may not play into where our eternal destination is, but we're going to stand in front of God and give an account for that and be judged according to that. Now, that's kind of sobering. I say that to say from the get-go that all of our plans, all of our, our, our ideas, all of our dreams, all the stuff that we want to grow in, listen, it needs to be growing us and leading us in the right direction because one day we're going to stand in front of God and give an account for that. So uh, I'm not trying to scare you. And I know you're thinking, wow, Pastor Josh, what? I, I'm at home drinking my coffee in my pajamas, ready to have a snow day church service and, and watch you online and you're dropping revelation bombs on us right now. Just take a deep breath. I'm laying some groundwork because this is very important in growing the next steps and getting control of your life back. First of all, we've got to be operating from the proper perspective, and that perspective is, hey, where does this all end up? Where does this all go? And what is really important based on that and what maybe isn't so important based on how this is all going to end up. And Ephesians 5 kind of echoes uh, that, that th line of thought in Ephesians 5.15 says, Be very careful then how you live, 
not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Maybe in the comment section right now, type, don't be foolish. <laughs> don't be foolish with your life. Don't be foolish with the decisions that you make because they're leading you in a direction that is eventually going to end up in front of God, giving an account for what we do with our life. So as we consider directions and growth, we've got to consider the ultimate direction of our life and whether what we're doing now is going to prepare us for that day or not. And, and I, I get that that can kind of sound a, a little heavy. And, and, and really, that probably doesn't sound like the problem that I described to you in the beginning, like not really having control over your life and, not, and you know, feeling like you're pulled in 50 different directions and not having enough time to get all of the things done that you want to get done. You probably feel like a guy that um, I was talking to one time over some coffee. He said, man, pastor, I just need to talk to you about some things that are going on in my life. And I said, yeah, man, let's get together and, and let's talk about it. And we sat down and talked. And I said, man, what's going on with you? He goes, listen, I love God. I love my family. I love what I do. And right now, I'm in a season of life where I just don't feel like there's enough of me to go around. If I'm working, I put everything that I am in, into work. You know, I drive an hour, sometimes an hour and a half to get there depending on what the traffic is like. And I put everything into it because I want to be a, a good employee and perform well on the job. And um, I'm solving problems that other people can't solve at work. And actually, I'm so effective at work that I'm picking up other people's dropped balls and I'm finishing projects for them and, and I'm creating wins in other areas because I'm literally putting whole departments on my back and carrying stuff. I'm just making things happen right now. And the boss will come into me and say, man, you are my number one guy. You are getting it done. And he'll say stuff to me like, there's a management position that's open real soon and you're the person that I'm recommending for it you need to know I'm going to bat for you and I'm going to make sure that you get it it pays another 15 grand a year it's got some perks plus you get some bonuses on top of all of that stuff you're the person for it man you're my number one guy just keep it up and I go home after hearing that and I think this is awesome and then my wife says hey we need to talk I appreciate what you're doing at work and I appreciate everything that you're doing for the kids, but we need you here. You're at work all the time, and you pour everything into your job, and when you come home, you're just exhausted, and there's nothing left for you to give. You're literally a zombie. You walk in, you eat a little bit of food, and you either watch something on TV or you just go straight to bed. Your kids are losing connection with you because you're spending so much time at work. I'm drowning here helping the kids with homework and, and taking them to practices and doing everything that needs to be done and keeping up with the issues of their life and, and all of that stuff. And that's, I need help here at the house. I need you to not work so late. I need you to save something in the tank so that when you're home, you're available to us. And a guy says, okay, I listen to my wife and I do that. I don't work as late. I come home instead of working an hour or two late. And I don't push myself as hard at work. I still do a good job, 
I just don't go above and beyond like I was before. So when I get home, I can be present and I help with the dishes and I'm there to take the kids to practice and, and I'm there to make sure that the kids' issues are worked out. My wife's not left there alone and my marriage is getting better now and, and I feel like I'm connecting with my kids again. And then my boss comes back into my office and he goes, hey man, what's going on? I thought you were my number one guy. I thought you were the one that was going to knock everything out of the park. Man, what's happened these last six or seven weeks? You've been slipping. I noticed you've been leaving early. I noticed you're, you're doing good, but you're not as productive as you used to. And, and the guy I was talking to was like, man, I just can't win. I can't be everything for everybody. And that's just two areas of my life. And what makes it bad is that I love God. And I want to be in church, and I want to serve, and I, I want to do what I feel like God has called me to do through my church. But because I'm so busy with work and busy with family, and I'm pulled in all these different directions, at the end of the week, it seems like the only day that we have available is like a Sunday. Forget about doing stuff during the week, you know, with practices and all that stuff. That The only day we really have available is Sunday, and we're so wiped out, it's just... We don't make it to church as much as I want to, and I feel guilty for it. But I got to rest some, and sometimes Sundays and Sunday afternoons are the only time I get to. I just, I'm pulled in so many directions, I don't know what to do. And I'm wondering how many of you watching today can relate to that. Because I know that I absolutely can look back over the course of my life and see different seasons where I can relate with that, where there's just not enough of us to go around and you feel like you're being pulled here and there, and if you do this with excellence, then this gets cheated, and you can't be here to do this. And if you spend time with your family, then you have to give up time with work, and time with family and work, you have to give up time on personal care for yourself, and there's just never enough time to do all of these things, and something or ultimately a lot of things begin to suffer because of the frustration of not being able to do everything that we want to do. And, and I'll say this to you, like I said to the guy I was talking to that day, we don't have a time management issue. We have a priority problem. And there's a big difference. We're trained to think that we don't have enough time during the day to do what we want to do. And the truth is we all have the same amount of time. Nobody gets cheated on time. Time's abstract, like it's constantly moving. And for some reason, we think that we can rope time like we could try to rope the wind. I'm sorry, Garth Brooks. It just doesn't work. It just, uh, but it, it doesn't work because you can't control it. It's constantly in motion. You can't control time. But what you can do is control how you or what you invest that time into. That's what you can control. can't control time, but you can control your priorities. And I know most of you are thinking, are you kidding me? That's where we're going today. You're talking about priorities. Pastor Josh, I've got priorities. The problem is I can't get to all my priorities. And I would say that that's probably where the problem is. I mean, just stop and think for a second. Most of us would say that we have priorities. And just, just stop and, and maybe if you got some paper next to you and, and a pen or something, if it's close by, go get it and hurry back or just mentally, if you don't have anything, work through this with me. I mean, let's list out what you would call your top five priorities in life right now. What's going to be your top five? 
And I mean, just take a second and just start writing them out or, or take a second and, and think through this. You know, we're, we're going to walk through this today um, as more of a teaching than me just preaching at you. So we're going to take some time for this. What are your top five priorities in life? And I mean, because this is a church live stream and I know you guys that are, that are in, in-house with me today as we're, uh, as we're shooting this, it's automatic. You got to say first priority has got to be God, right? It's got to be your relationship with God, and it should be. I mean, that should be number one in our lives. But what happens after that? Most people are going to say, um, you got God, probably family. Um, God, family, then probably somewhere in there is going to be um, your calling, ministry of some sort maybe. Um, your career could be in there as a top priority, or maybe even personal care, personal time, time for your health could be a priority that's in there too. But what are those top five priorities that you would say, those right there, they take the top slots in my life, my top five priorities. Let me ask you a question. How's that working for you? I mean, if you look at your life, are you effectively living out what you would call your top five, just your top five priorities in life? And most of us would have a list that goes well beyond that because five just doesn't seem like it does justice to um, the things that we would call important in our lives. But just in the top five, do you see yourself as effective in making sure that what you call one of your top five priorities is absolutely always happening in your life? Or even in your top five, do you feel like you're just not able to get to it? In my conversations with people, with most people, um, they have trouble getting to them. And that's part of where the frustration comes from because what we see is important, we're not able to get to in our lives. And, and part of that comes from the problem of us having what I guess is called intentional priorities in life or intellectual priorities in life where we know those things should be important, and we intend for those things to be important in our lives. And it's the difference between that and actually having practical priorities in our lives that are set and protected and unmovable in our lives. Most people don't have those. You know, it, if you were going to buy a house and you wanted to save up money and save up like $25,000 to be able to put a good down payment on the home, and you say, my priority for my family is to make sure that my family has a place to call home, and I want to do it right, and I want to buy it. So the goal is to save $25,000 so I can purchase a home to put my family in so I'm taking care of my family. Well, if the goal is to save or the priority is to save the $25,000, but you're spending every penny that you make on debt or on eating out, like there's no plan to, to pinch pennies and save and put money back. You're just, it's, it's, it's an intention. It's a great concept. It's something that sits there and you say, man, I should do this, but in practical application, it's not happening because there's so many other things that pop up that grab your interest in the moment that you're willing to trade the long-term priority for the short-term return and gratification of what you see right here and right now. And a lot of times that's where we lose the battle. It's the difference between intentional priorities and practical priorities in our lives.
more time with God. And everybody knows we should have more time with God. Our relationship with God should be number one in our lives. But I find when I talk to people that one of the things they struggle with the most is carving out time to spend with God because it's an intentional priority, but practically it's just not working in their lives. There's a disconnect there, and that's what I want to talk to you about today. And you want to get control of your life, and you want to feel like you're heading in the right direction. We've got to make a shift from the things that we intend to do to making sure that those things are actually happening in our lives. Because you're never going to be where God wants you to be, and you can forget about the rest of this year and, and plotting out your next steps and what you want to do unless those things become practical priorities they're not going to happen. They'll just be great intention. You know, they did a study on people at the end of their lives, and they asked them, if you could live your life over, what would you do differently? <laughs> and they said, uh, I would spend way less time worrying about problems and issues, and I would have spent a lot more time enjoying life. I would have spent less time stressing about things that I couldn't control, and I would have enjoyed the company of the people that were around me. I would have spent more time with family and less time fighting and arguing with people. I would have spent more time with God, is what they say. And if you navigate through that, what they're saying is I would have spent less time being distracted by things and having things pull me in different directions. And I would have been more focused on being intentional with prioritizing the things that matter the most. And that's what I want to encourage you with today. So the big question then becomes, well, if there's intentional priorities and there's actual practical priorities which are real in our lives, then how do you tell the difference between the two? And it's really simple, to be honest with you. If you look at your calendar and your bank account, that's going to tell you what your priorities are. Your calendar and your bank account will tell you what your priorities are every time, every time, without fail. So for the last six weeks, if you've been skipping church so that you could go to the Falcons games to watch them get the, 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 their booties kicked all over the field, okay, that's where you're investing your time. Or if you've been skipping church so you can watch football, fill in the blank, that's where you've been spending your time. That's what's on your calendar, okay? You've been spending money on those tickets instead of giving to God or spending money on That's where your bank account is. So for the last six or eight weeks, your priority isn't God. Your priority is the Falcons or a football team or a hobby or a boat or whatever, and your money says so too. It tells the truth about you, okay? It tells the truth about you. Your calendar and your bank account are going to tell you where your priority. Jesus even said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says, hey, if you want to know what's important, follow the money, Jack. It'll tell you. And I would encourage you, if you really want to see what's important to you, okay? In all honesty, if you want to see what's really important to you, look at where you've been spending your time and look at where you've been spending your money. And that will tell you where your priorities are. Now you've got a point of decision here. Do, do the priorities that are dictated now by your bank account and your time line up with what you say your priorities in life should be? And if they're not, 
Now you know why you're frustrated. Now you know why you feel like you're pulled in so many different directions. Now, now see how it, it's starting to become a, a little more clear now because intentionalizing things is not the same thing as living them out. It's not the same thing as living it out. The truth is always in the calendar. The truth is always in the bank account. I mean, think about an Olympic athlete, all the training that they have to do just to be on an Olympic team. It's insane. Their calendar is booked with nothing but training sessions. Their calendar is booked with coaching sessions, with seeing uh, sports psychiatrists, with um, sitting around motivational speakers that can help get them to the next level. It's all about growth, whether it's physically, mentally, or emotionally, to get there. Their, their calendar is full of how do I become a better athlete to represent my, co my country. And if you look at where they're spending their money, it's the same thing. They have to invest an incredible amount of money with these coaches, even if they've got sponsors to help pay the bills. Personally, they have spent small fortunes to be able to do what they're doing because there's a cost that comes with it. And if their priority is to become an Olympic athlete, a lot of stuff has to change. And they have to say no to a lot of things so that they can say yes to what's necessary to be the athlete that they want to be. And the same works with setting priorities. Once you set it, your calendar and your finances should fall behind it, and you should be saying no to a lot of distractions in order to say yes to what you're saying is a priority. And that's where a lot of the problem is because we don't like to say no to people a lot. A lot of times people give in to pressure from people groups or pressure from problems and instead of sticking to their guns and saying no, this is my priority, this is my focus, that's a distraction. I'm not gonna let it take me away from what I say is a priority in my life. I hope this is helping you so far. This is really practical and real down to earth, but I'm telling you right now, this is where so many people miss, stepping to whatever that next level is, how, whatever, however you wanna define it in your life. So, so here's a process that you have to do. You've got to make the decision on what is going to be important in your life. And after you make that decision, then you've got to manage that decision. And if you're successful in managing the decision that you make, then you're gonna reap the benefit of the decision. That's just how it works. The, the battle is won and lost, not in making this, the decision really, it's in managing the decision. Like if, if, uh, if I were to go into, or you were to go into uh, the doctor's office this week and the doctor sits you down and says, hey, look, um, we need to have a serious conversation. Your health is not as good as it needs to be. In fact, if you keep going the way that you're going, you're not gonna be around much longer. Your stress levels are through the roof. Your blood pressure is through the roof. Your body is slowly starting to fall apart. And it's not just because you're over 40. Uh, that's just part of it. But, but you're really falling apart. There need to be some dramatic changes that happen in your life. If you plan on seeing your grandchildren or seeing your children get married, um, changes need to happen. And here's what needs to happen. Number one, I'm gonna prescribe you some medication to help you get started in this, to help you on the short term. But there need to be some long-term changes in your life, starting with your diet. You need to change what you eat, okay? 
change what you eat. And then you're going to have to start exercising. So diet and exercise. Diet and exercise have got to happen to lower your blood pressure, to get what's happening in your body under control. You need to start eating clean, okay? Pizza, barbecue, and ice cream are not three meals that you should be eating every day. We need to change that up. <laughs> um, and then the doctor says, here's the fourth thing that needs to happen. You need to build in rest into your life. So take this medicine, uh, eat clean, exercise, and you're going to have to rest. You need to find a hobby, something that you can enjoy, something that you can do to take your mind off of work, the stress, the whatever, and you need downtime to be able to recoup. Your body needs to rest or it will not be able to maintain itself. Okay, those are major changes. And so if you're going to follow what the doctor says, then you've got to manage that decision every time you sit down for a meal. See what I'm saying? You've got to manage that decision when you're off work and you've got a choice of sitting in front of the TV or going to the gym or going to the workout room in your house and, and keeping that exercise routine up, you have to manage that decision. Otherwise, the goal of self-care and better health or the priority of that in your life is never going to happen. You have to manage it. You have to manage it. And it is a constant battle. Am I telling the truth or am I telling the truth? If you pick, uh, decide you want to lose weight. Decide, decide you want to get into shape, and then watch how quickly you begin to see all the desserts that are in all the world that you have not seen until you decided to lose weight. Commercials will magically change to delicious food that you're not supposed to eat, almost like clockwork. It's like the world works against you. you got to put in the wrench time to manage that decision because it's not going to naturally take care of itself. Just like your kid is not going to naturally want to clean its room. All right, you're going to have to manage that situation. You got to manage those situations in your life so you can manage those priorities. And if you lose the battle in the management, the priority is not going to happen. We lose that battle a lot of times. And I want to encourage you to pay more attention to that. Don't lose that battle. A lot of people don't realize this, but Jesus operated on priorities. The Jesus that loved people, the Jesus that healed people, the Jesus that gave his life for you and for me, he operated on priorities every day of his life. If you look um, in Luke chapter 2, you hear Jesus begin to say some stuff. He says, uh, I only, or he, he says that I have to be about my father's business. And in John, a couple of times in there, he says um, that I have to do what the Father tells me to do. And I only say what the Father tells me to say. I only go where the Father tells me to go. Those are priorities. What he's saying is, when my Father tells me to do it, I do it. And if he doesn't, then I don't. What Jesus is saying is, I say yes to my Father, and I say no to everything else, so that I'm available to say yes to my Father. Jesus operated on priorities in his life. And, and think about it. I mean, think about the life that Jesus had, okay? In all reality, Jesus probably felt more pressure than we do today. I mean, he was the most famous person on the planet at that time. Everybody wanted to be around Jesus. 
Everybody wanted Jesus to heal their child or their family member. Everybody was trying to get time with Jesus. Can you imagine on a daily basis as he was walking through a town, how many people asked him if they could be a disciple of his? Or how many people asked him, well, if I can't be in like the, the, the inner group of disciples, can I at least just tag along with you and help you out? Man, I'll make sure your sandals are clean every day. Whatever. I just want to roll with you, Jesus. I just want to walk with you. you know, there was that pressure all the time. Imagine how many people wanted private teaching sessions with Jesus or how many business owners tried to pay a lot of money for Jesus' time probably back then. There's a lot of pressure and a lot of demand on Jesus' time. And Jesus had to say no to a lot of that. And I'll give you one good example uh, from Scripture in, in Luke chapter 4, starting at verse 42. It says, early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. <laughs> he went out to an isolated place. You ever had a week where you just wanted to go out to an isolated place, like away from everybody that knew you existed, away from the kids, just a quiet place where nobody could bother you? That's what Jesus was doing because uh, the same Jesus that loved us said, y'all, I need a break. I need to get away for a minute. Why did he do that? Because he needed to get away so that he could clearly hear the voice of his father so that he could be about his father's business, so that he could go where his father wanted him to go, so he could do what his father wanted him to do, so he could say what his father wanted him to say. So as part of that priority, Jesus had to get away to spend time with his father. But look what happens. The crowds searched everywhere for him. I've had weeks like that. And when they finally find him, they begged him not to leave them. They didn't just ask. The Bible says they're begging Jesus, don't leave, stay with us. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns too, because that's why I was sent. So he left to go do what his father told him to do even though there was pressure for him not to. See, Jesus managed the decision that he had made. He managed the decision that he had made on the priorities that were set for his life. I wonder how many problems we've tried to solve on our own instead of waiting for God that have compounded the pressure and complicated life more than it should have been. I wonder how many jobs we've taken that the Lord never intended for us to take. And we looked at the paycheck instead of asking him if it was his will for us to do it. How many relationships that we got involved in that the Lord never intended for us to be involved in because we allowed ourselves to become distracted and we failed to manage what we said was a priority in our lives and traded it for the here and now and what seemed to be the most gratifying in the moment instead of paying the price for the long haul to see those priorities realized in our lives. A lot of people don't realize when they're selling out those priorities. And they don't realize that subtle transition from a practical priority to an intentional priority in their lives. And suddenly, you don't have the time with your kids that you swore that you would never give up. Or that you don't have time to do the ministry that God called you to that you swore that you would never step away from. You know, or the money that you have is going in a thousand different directions instead of first going to God to honor Him. 
and then asking him, Lord, everything I have is yours. What do you want me to do with the money that you've entrusted me with? Most of us say, I'm going to throw my money everywhere and then give God what's left over. We forget it's not ours, it's his. We lose sight of those priorities sometimes, and they become intentional and not practical. And this is what happens in people's lives. I mean, so we start out with our main priorities, whatever they are, whatever we feel like God has laid on our heart, relationship with him, his calling, family, career, all those things, which, which are absolutely important. But what we do is sometimes we make decisions on our own on what we want to have happen in our lives instead of asking God first what he wants us to do with those areas or with that time or with those resources in our life. So we say, you know what? I want the house. Now, there's nothing wrong with the house, but is the house something that God's called you to get or something you feel like you're supposed to get now, I'm not talking about being so hyper-spiritual that you pray over whether or not you should have Fruit Loops or Cheerios for breakfast. That's just ridiculous. But in the major decisions of your life, though, how often do you consult God versus just deciding what makes the most sense for you at any given moment? So with the house comes responsibility, which comes got to work to pay for all of that stuff. So we begin to build what we would call a life with these little building blocks. And here comes the wife. Here comes the kids. Here comes all the responsibility that comes with the kids. You don't just have kids. You have the sporting games, you've got the practices, you've got the recitals, you've got all the stuff that comes along with this life that you're building. I got all of this stuff and I'm tired of driving the car or the truck that I have, so I'm going to get something new because I want something new because I work hard and I shouldn't have to drive a piece of junk. And you probably shouldn't have to do that. But did God say go for it or are you saying that's what I want you know what I'm saying? You get where I'm going with this? So we begin to build this life for ourselves. And we have issues and problems with people. And instead of doing what the Bible says and forgiving them and doing our best to reconcile the situation, we avoid it and we allow that bitterness to come up in our heart, which eats away at us, which creates habits and problems in our lives that we didn't have that we do now. So maybe we're finding ourselves drinking and doing whatever to escape those issues of life which creates other health problems and issues that we get to deal with now in this life that we're building for ourselves. You see, we're building this life for ourselves, okay? And we have things in our lives that we say are important. And we have things in our lives that we say are priorities, but we make the mistake of building the rest of our life around what we want and what we feel needs to happen in the moment, we don't even realize that what we've done is we have literally 
walled ourselves in and we've trapped ourselves behind the life that we thought we were building for ourselves. And it's keeping us from accomplishing all the priorities that are burning inside of us. And all the time that we want to be with our family, we can't because we're having to work to pay for the stuff that we're dying in debt over. And we can't do what God's calling us to do because we're so strung out letting our kids run rampant with practices and recitals. And instead of teaching our children that God comes first. We're teaching our children that all those other things come first, and we built a life that is keeping us from being everything that God has called us to be and everything that God has desired for us to be, and it's robbing us of living what we know inside should be the main priorities of our lives. How's that working for you? How's that working for you? Are you living what you would call the top priorities of your life? Or are you stuck behind that? All the stuff that you know that should be in your life, you feel like you can't get to it because you're pulled in a thousand different directions. The answer, the answer is getting rid of this and getting back to this. And it starts with a decision. Starts with a decision. And those decisions are usually followed by the word no. No, I can't do that anymore. No, I can't do that anymore. Kids, we can do sports, but we can't do 15 different sports because we are not going to live our life running around and not make God a priority. Church isn't something that we do. God is something that's real in our lives understand what I'm saying? It moves from being an, an intentional priority to something that's real and practical. And it happens when we stop deciding what we want for our lives and we start asking God what he wants us to do with the life that he's given to us. In fact, the Bible actually says in Matthew 6, 33, he gives us this plan. He says, hey, seek First, his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Seek first my kingdom. Seek me first before you seek all the other stuff. I know you need food. I know you need clothing. I know you need housing. I know there are needs in your life. I know there's stuff that you've got to take care of. And he says, seek me first. Seek me first. And that starts with your relationship with God, the number one priority, because at the end of all things, when you stand in front of him, that's what's going to matter the most. Seek him first. What has God called you to do with your life? What's God's will for your life? Most people can't answer that, and the most people can't answer that because most people don't spend enough time with God to out of that relationship with him move one step at a time into the will that he has for their lives. Seek first his kingdom in your relationships. Seek first his kingdom in raising your children. Seek first his kingdom in your marriage. Seek first his kingdom in your job. 
and all, seek first his kingdom and setting the priorities for your life. He has to come first. And the prayer has to switch from, God, please give me these things that I'm asking you for, to, Lord, what do you want me to have in my life? What is the next step for me? What is important for you to see happen in my life? How can I better serve you? Because this life isn't my own. It's yours. Hey, don't forget you were bought with a price. Don't forget that you're now hidden in Christ Jesus. That means things need to change. And maybe those old priorities that you used to have need to switch. I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you today to set priorities that are immovable and uncompromised in your life. And say, these things are going to come first. I am going to spend time with my family before I do anything else extra. I am going to be in the house of God. And instead of it being once every six weeks because I burnt myself out for the other six days of the week, I am setting it as a priority and I refuse to pour myself out in things that won't matter for eternity and miss out on the one thing that does. And I'm setting my relationship with God as a priority and it will not be moved and if I set that as a priority then maybe that means I need to say no to some stuff like Facebook or social media or Netflix or watching TV or whatever it is that eats up so much of that extra time that could be spent in priority drawing closer to him it's in managing those priorities that the battle is won and lost And it can't be that we manage those priorities out of our desire and what we want. It has to be managed out of what he wants for our lives. Got to be about him and not about us. If you really want to grow this year, if you really want this year to be the year that you get closer to God, that, that you see your family restored, that you see these amazing things happen in your life, one step at a time by setting priorities that are not compromised on. That's how you do it. I hope that blesses you, and I hope that sets you up for success. I didn't want to preach you up today. Not that I ever do that. I wanted to give you something practical to help you as we're setting goals and we're looking how we can get closer to God. This is where it's at, people. Because at the end of the day, it all boils down to this. Is God in control or are you in control? when we reach that point the end of all things as we're entering into eternity and we stand in front of that throne and we have to give an account for how we lived our lives how beautiful would it be for us to stand there and say God it wasn't my will but it was yours that was done in my life did everything that I did because I felt like you told me to do it I gave it all for you you live a life like Jesus and say I was about the business you said was most important for me and I went where you told me to go and I, I did what you told me to do and I said what you told me to say my life was a reflection of your will
Oh, man. God, please let us all be able to say that when we stand in front of you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just lift up every person that's in this room now, every person that's watching online or will hear this podcast later. Father, I pray, God, that we stop and hit the brakes and take an honest assessment and evaluation of our lives. Are we really living what we say are priorities and are the priorities that are most important to you being lived out in our lives? Or are we living some kind of philosophical, intentional kind of life that's leaving us frustrated? Lord, I pray that we make quality decisions today to line up with your word, to line up with your will, and to say, God, it's not about me, it's about you. It's not even about what I would call priorities. It's about what your word says are priorities for my life. And I am not going to try to manipulate you to give me what I want in life, but I am going to choose to submit to you and line up with what you say is truly important. Because your word is the standard that I'm going to be judged by. It's only common sense that I would want to live according to that word. God, I pray that for all of us today, that we all make that decision and that we take the next step, whatever that looks like, whatever needs to change, Lord, that we take that initial next step towards making it happen, Father, so that we're living a life of priorities that bring us fulfillment because we're doing what is most important to us because it's most important to you. And we're not allowing life to run us. We are running our lives now in submission to you. God, I pray that for all of us. In your name, amen, amen, and amen. Hey, I love you guys. It feels really weird in here right now without being able to look at your faces. I'm praying each and every one of you are blessed. I'm praying that each and every one of you are applying this to your lives. And I can't wait to see you next week. So stay home, stay safe. Maybe take advantage of this day to spend a little more time with God and go the next step with what we talked about today. Next Sunday, we kick off 21 days of prayer and fasting in our church. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you right now, last week I challenged everyone that was here to commit to being in service for the next seven weeks. And I know we can't be here today, but I'm believing in faith that you're watching online. And my challenge is still the same. Listen, be in the house of God. Be in the house of God. Okay, so it'll be now for the next six weeks. Be in the house of God. I believe these next six weeks, God is going to do something powerful in all of us and in our church as he is setting us up for what's going to be the most powerful year of growth internally in us we've ever had in our lives. God, I thank you again for these beautiful people. Lord, be with them. Bring them all back safe next week so that we can continue to grow closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in today. We love you. We'll see you next week.